This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Anyway, so let's begin. لم يكن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين منفكين حتى تأتيهم البينة رسول من الله هي تلوسف فمطهرة. It's really one large sentence. And so let's understand it. Those who had disbelieved uh, from among the people of the book and the idol worshippers, two groups, those who have disbelieved from among those two groups, would never have separated themselves. Munfakin would not have been cut up, would not have been separated, like tazayyalu, like they would have, wouldn't have been distinguished, until the clearest evidence came to them. Now let me repeat that sentence. Two groups have been talked about. Those who disbelieved among the people of the book and those who disbelieved among the idol worshippers would never have separated themselves until the final evidence, the conclusive evidence came to them. Okay. Now the question that kind of started perplexing Mufassirun is, separate themselves from what? That's, that was the question. What are they separating themselves from? And so a few theories were forwarded because it's not spelled out in the surah. It just has separated themselves. In fiqaq is to cut something up and to break it apart. Something that used to be held together is now being taken apart. That's, that's essentially what it means. And so other, what, some groups said, well, they wouldn't have been separated from their disbelief until, a mess, until the clearest proof came. Meaning they were, they were bound together with their kufr, with their shirk, with their denial and with the corruption of their previous scriptures. And nothing would have separated them until the final evidence came, meaning until the Qur'an came. And that's going to be elaborated in the next ayah. رَسُولٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ يَتْلُوا صُحُفًا مُتَحَرًا You kind of have to read both of these ayat together. That until a messenger came, who would recite to them purified scriptures, until that happened, they would have never separated ways from their previous corruption. Okay, that's one view. There, there's counter-arguments to that, because obviously even when the messenger came, they didn't separate themselves. The vast majority of them didn't. So then how do we understand it? Then the messenger... You know, the second argument is this messenger, والسلام, that came to them, they should have separated themselves. They would never have separated themselves even if the clearest proof came to them. Hatta as a ta'ajub, you know, uslubu ta'ajub. Even if the greatest proof came to them, they were too stubborn to let go of their old ways. They would never have come this way. Even if a messenger came that was reciting scripture to them, meaning even now that a messenger has come and recites scripture onto them, that's still not enough for them. They're just not ones to separate themselves, even in the presence of the most clear evidence. And Ibn Ashur kind of you know, leans towards that, uh, that view also. Others then held the view that this ayah means that uh, it's, it's essentially saying they would never have separated themselves until they saw like an angel come, like Rasul in the meaning of an angel come, and the angel himself would recite scriptures to them, until then they're not ready to accept. This is the claim that they make in so many other places in the Qur'an, about, you know, we're not going to accept until we see the angel, until we see the book descending itself, until you take a ladder up to the sky, you know, and bring it for us, or you turn this mountain into gold. So until they see the special effects of the ghayb, they're not interested. Okay? But in all of these theories that have been forwarded and others, the common, thread, the, the common thread is that separate themselves, and then they have to fill in the blank, separate themselves from what? Separate themselves from their misguidance, separate themselves from their disbelief. Something they're separating themselves from. But Abu Hayyan offers a view that I find extremely compelling, at least the first half of his view, I find it very compelling. I'll read that for you. وَالظَّاهِرُ أَنَّ الْمَعْنَى لَمْ يَكُونُوا مُنْفَكِينَ أي مُنْفَصِلًا بَعْضُهُمْ مِنْ بَعْضٍ بَلْ كَانَ كُلٌّ مِّنْهُمْ مُقِرًّا الْآخَرِ 
على ما هو عليه مما اختاره لنفسه هذا من اعتقاده في شريعته وهذا من اعتقاده في أصنامه والمعنى أنه اتصلت مودتهم واجتمعت كلمتهم إلى أن, إلى أن أتتهم البينة Let me explain that in simple English for you what, what in the world he's saying He's saying Allah is commenting here on the fact that the Arabs of Mecca were one unified society despite the fact that they had many different religions There were people who worshipped different idols Obviously every idol its own religion Right? And they, so they had that. And even some among them were exposed to the people of the book, or were people of the book, like the, the rare Warqai bin Nawfil. So that's there too. And they had interactions with the people of Medina and other tribes where there were Jews and Christians. They, they, were, they were exposed to that. But they all kind of, they were still a united, everybody gets along, nobody questions anybody else. Yes, I think you're wrong, and I, you think I'm wrong, but that's cool, we're still doing business, it's all good. Nobody got on, stepped on anybody's toes. They were still a united people completely. Nothing was going to break them apart. And the other interesting meaning here is, so it, when I say, you know, nothing would have broken them apart, not from something, from among themselves. Like they were a unified people in a sense. Even though they had a plurality, they were people of pluralism, multiple different religions, they still got along, everything was harmonious. The only problem was Islam, actually. All those idols, and no problem. And one religion comes and says, no idols, and everybody has a problem. You understand? So the only problematic... You could say intolerant, the aggressive religion, the offensive religion in the entire scheme was Islam. There were actually Christians and Jews also coming into contact with them, people of scripture who considered them pagans and misguided and all of it. But that was okay, they weren't like there to change society. They were just like, you do your thing, we'll do our thing, it's all good. You know, so long as we can do business together. They used to interact, we know they even sometimes fought with the Jewish tribes and others. So that happened. Building on that notion, I want you to understand that in Mecca, of course, before the Prophet comes, there are وسلم, there are people of all kinds. There are there are people that are Abu Bakr, who's still not a Muslim. There are people like Abu Jahal, who's still not a Muslim, and Umar bin Khattab is still not a Muslim. These are these are people that live in that society. And so, what I'm trying to get at is, in every society, there are good people and bad people. If you take Islam out of the picture, it's a mix. It's a complete mix And you don't know You know, There are some good apples and bad apples Decent people and decent people Criminal people We're all living in society together Allah Azza wa Jal wanted That this messenger come This clear proof come And it separates those Who truly have goodness inside of them And it comes out light Clear as day These people are a different category Than those people The only thing that could have Separated people by good and evil In the most convincing way In this, the argument of the Quran here Is al-bayyinah This is actually reverse engineering. If you follow my train of thought, it's reverse engineering the, one of the great criticisms against the Prophet ﷺ. The criticism against the Prophet was, as the moment he stepped in and started talking about this, we used to like him before, he was the nicest guy among us. We called him a sadiq al-ameen, there was no problem. As soon as he starts talking about this Islam thing, and this Qur'an thing, he's caused separation between father and son, he's breaking tribes apart, He's taking families and ripping them apart. Husband and wife aren't getting along anymore. He's causing so much separation in society. And the surah comes and says, yes, separation had to happen. And it would never have happened this way until Al-Bayyina came. It's a remarkable statement to uh, uh, the contrast of, of tribal life. You know, for them, nothing is stronger than tribe. Nothing is stronger than tribe. And yet this, these words came... And now people are ready to not only sacrifice tribe, but ancestry, and thousands of years of tradition, just walk away from it all, because of these words from Allah. 
Like this separation could never have taken place. Like the Arabs could never have imagined these people that are so unified in, 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 in tribal and you know, local pride and family pride that nothing could have broken them apart. And Allah says there was something stronger than their bloodlines. There was something stronger than their culture and their civilization. There was something stronger than their, their sense of self that came and shattered it. And even the, within themselves, there were people that started separating themselves, accepting the call of Islam and becoming completely separated from within. Munfakina. There were people from the Christians who accepted, from the Jews who accepted, from different tribes of the pagans who accepted, from the leaders, from the slaves, from the foreigners. There were people who started pulling away. And now they became a unity of their own, the unity of Islam. This could never have happened until something so clear and so evident came that was so powerful to remove all of those sensibilities, all of those identities. That's the remarkable beginning of the surah. It's actually talking about how powerful the Qur'an is to make you, make every other identity you have become second priority. And la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is your identity. This is how you identify yourself. And everything else is just a secondary, secondary detail. You know, think about what that means for us today. Like, we are living in nationalistic times, and many of us come from parts of the world. We're very tribal. We're very, you know, our village, our tribe, our, our you know, our, our language. You know, I come from Pakistan. People in Lahore don't like people from Karachi. You know, like it's a thing. You know, the the accent you have, the dialect you have, the color of your skin, the the, the village you come from. We're so our identities are so entrenched. In other than Islam, actually all those things are top priority and Islam is kind of, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 we're Muslim, yeah, but we're not like those guys, no, 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 you know, we have that in us. In other words, we haven't experienced, you know what the argument that is, we haven't experienced al-bayyinah. No, I'm not referring to the institution. <laughs> I'm talking about what Allah is talking That's why I never called it al-bayyinah. Arabs ask me, you know, because when you, when you name an institute, or any kind of you know markaz or any kind of a ma'had, then the convention is to put al on it. Okay, so the institute it can be called al salam or you know al Islam or you know whatever al shams. But I didn't call it al bayina. I called it bayina. And I was like khata fi I was like lama kulhu khata I didn't say that a mistake. I just can't get myself to call it al bayina because Quran called something else al bayina. It's, I, I can't do it. No, let's listen even Nakira. It's, it's fine. It could be khata and fil lugha la umane. Okay, I don't, I don't mind. Because what Allah is talking about is something way higher. It's something way, way bigger than what we represent. It's, it's way bigger. And that's what I'm hoping to ex- explain to you today. So the first interesting word in this ayah was munfakin, separating, becoming separated, okay, or broken apart. The second interesting word is bayina. The word bayina comes from bana yabinu, which means to be separated also. Something to, for something to be clear, it can't be mixed or muddled with other things. When ideas or sentences or words are jumbled together, you can't tell what somebody's saying. When letters are fused together, you can't tell what somebody's saying. When somebody enunciates clearly and separates every sound from every other sound, the word becomes clear. By extension, the phenomenon becomes clear. If one paragraph is dealing with eight different subjects mixed together, you're confused. But if one paragraph deals with one subject, clarifies it, separates it from item number two, separates that from item number three, now you're clear. When you ask your accountant, what are the numbers, and he mixes it all in one sentence, you're like, what is this? Separate this so I know what you're talking about. Color code it at least, do something. In other words, separation is the essence of clarity. Separation is the essence of clarity. Okay? Things don't become clear until they are separated. 
Okay? Now, if you understand that, then you also understand the word al-bayan. Bayan means language itself. One of the words for clear communication in Arabic actually means for things, ideas, words, even letters to be separated from one another, distinct from one another. And that's actually why even in the ritual aspects of the Qur'an, we emphasize so much the science of tajweed, the precise recitation of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Because every letter gets clearly makhraj, clear makhraj, separately separated from every other letter. So there's no confusion about what Allah says. Nobody gets, to, gets you know, muddled about what Allah says. You know? Now, this, what is this bayna? What is this clear evidence? That's going to be clarified in the next ayah. And some have looked at that next ayah from the previous views that I shared with you. They still wouldn't separate themselves from shirk, even though a messenger came. That view I respect, but I'm arguing this is something else. This is actually atof bayan. What that means is, i.e., you've heard the terms i.e. in English? That is to say, until the clearest, most self-evident proof came to them, now what is that clearest self-evident proof? Let's define it. Rasulun min Allahi yatlu suhufan mutahara. A messenger from Allah, a messenger from Allah came, who as he came recites purified scriptures. Fiha kutubun qayyima, and this is the sentence connected to it, in which there are established, firm, standing books. Now, this statement, this is describing what bayina is. We would think bayina is clear proof, Evidence, meaning the Qur'an itself, the arguments of the Qur'an, these are bayinat, not in this surah. In this surah, the proof is the messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa as he recites the scripture. In other words, to Allah, the most conclusive evidence is the messenger and the message together. The fact that those came together, it wasn't just a book that came down from the sky, it was this person in front of you, who's claiming to be a messenger, whose character himself is a proof. He, you will testify to the truthfulness of his character before he says anything. You know, that's the pr- problem of credibility, right? Credibility means you testify to the honesty of somebody, the character of somebody, the integrity of somebody. And then if they say something good, then it means something. If a dirty politician says something, you already know his dirty track record. He can give the best speech, it won't mean anything because he doesn't have credibility. So it's the credibility of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his character, how he, how he represents this message, and then on top of that, that he recites purified scriptures. Also means that what he's preaching, the purified scriptures that he's talking about, he actually embodies them. You can see them. When he's, when he's critiquing, when he's challenging the, the leaders of the time, then he doesn't have skeletons in his closet. He's actually speaking openly and clearly. This is what made the strongest society of the time, it was the character of the Prophet ﷺ combined with the delivery of the message of the Qur'an that became an unstoppable force. It was enough to even separate the strongest people with the strongest sense of tribe and affiliation and cut them off from that and join themselves with La ilaha illallah. That, that's, that's the argument that's being made here. Rasulun min Allahi yatlu suhufa mutahara.